Welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. I am your host, Matt Polanski. With me tonight is Bono. Josh will be joining us in a little bit. Um, we wanted to start this episode by sending our thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of Hugo Milan and the track marshal at Brands Hatch. Um, you know, we took last week off at to pay our respects and yeah, we were ho- really hoping for an update on Brad Jones. Um, as of now, he's still in his coma. So we're sending all of our thoughts and prayers and everything we can to Brad. You know, hopefully he can win this race. Um, you know, it's it, like we said with, uh, Jason, this is the darkest part of our sport. Um, it never gets easier. Um, there's, like we said last time, there's no safety harnesses. There's no halos. There's no, you know, crash pods. Keep everyone safe in an accident. Um, and, you know, when you have instance, I guess, where riders are riding so close together, you know, this, this is the darkest outcome of those situations. Um, you know, because you don't want to see, you want to see close racing. It's just, you hope that this never happens. Um, but, yeah, we move on. Um, like I said, we send... Love and positivity to those affected. Um, and uh, like like we said in the post uh, we put out on Twitter, uh, the people we lose, they're not gone. They're just a lap ahead of us. So, Bono? Yeah, it's, um, it's been a very, very dark week, hasn't it, for the last... Uh, it's just, like you say, it never gets easier. And I echo everything you've just said. Um, it's it's just one of those things that, like you say, we're in a sport where we might be years behind in terms of, you know, technology and everything else with the advancements that F1 have in terms of the racing and the safety. But we are also, you know, we do have our hands tied in that we don't have the accessibility to halos and such like. It's not a possibility in in bike racing as of yet we've we're still kind of where we were 30 40 years ago in terms of safety on the bike yeah the leathers and everything improve and whatnot but even like jason you can have the the best most safe leathers on in the world and the greatest helmet on but where he was hit is nowhere that can be protected so you know the these sorts of things are going to carry on happening where you have these freak accidents until we do find a way. Like, yeah, we don't want them to happen, and it's sad to say that it will carry on happening, but it just goes to show that there's never a limit with finding the safest, the safest, sorry, like, part of the, the, the sport. Like, we've not, we're nowhere near the safest. There's always room for improvement, and even if it's, you know, the slightest thing that makes these bikes and all of our racing slower or the slightest bit less entertaining, but they're for safety reasons. I'd rather it be that way around 
than the bikes and everything else be quicker and more at risk and these guys that risk their lives for our entertainment not have the protection that they need so having said that let's hope that you know the only positive we can take from all this is the the encouragement of safety improvement for the future i hope anyway so yeah it it has been an awful week and like i say i echo what you say about the marshall at brands hatch brad jones obviously still in his coma and whatnot um kind of been waiting for that news to come and it's like everybody else we're kind of every morning checking the instagram and twitter and whatnot to see if there's anything um i keep keep googling his name yeah it's it's one of those like honestly i know as bike fans and everything, we want him to win this race and we want him to come out the other end. But for his family and friends, I can only send support and positivity and everything else because that is a horrid time for somebody like that to be going through something when the guy's in a position now only from doing something he loved and still loves. You know what I mean? Like It's it's not like he's done anything stupid or put himself in a position of danger through anything other than the love of the sport so mm-hmm. yeah sending all our thoughts and everything with with brad jones's family and obviously pay our respects to hugo and the marshal at brands hatch moving on yeah. from that we do have the austrian grand prix to look mm-hmm. forward to and maybe kind of race for those two that we've lost and for brad this weekend um and we have Danny Pedrosa and Cal Crutchlow back, which yeah, is, which brought the um, uh, average age of the, age of the grid up by like ten years. Yeah, <laughs> um, and obviously, I don't know. I mean, my maths is not great, and I don't quite know Cal's age. Is Rossi forty two? Is Rossi forty one or forty two? I lose track. I think he's forty one, and Cal Crutchlow is thirty. 36 maybe I don't quite know you might have to just double check either way oh. the the age of Patronus this weekend is going to be over 70 uh um, Cal Crutchlow is 35 35 yeah mm-hmm. so if Cal's 35 and Ross is 41 that's 76 which is Jeez. not it's just not young <laughs> um but with age comes experience I suppose but the only problem is for Yamaha is that you can have as much experience as you like. That bike is not going to suit Austria and never will. Yamaha have no interest in top speed. And the only thing that that bike is suffering from is top speed, really, at the minute. I think now, because we have that start device now, don't we, on the Yamaha, which has helped Fabio a lot. You only got to look at Assen. Um and the likes of Magello and whatnot, I think that start device has really kept Fabio at the the top. He's not been allowed to jump straight down from the starts with not having the start device. So I think Fabio will be crossing every finger and toe that he has that he gets it on pole for Austria, which if he does on a Yamaha, I know it's only a one-lap thing, it's different to a race, Um but if if Fabio needs pole anywhere, it's here. If he needs if he needs to get pole position, it has to be at Austria. Because if he doesn't, and he's got two Ducatis in front of him or anything, he's not got a chance of catching them until sector three, um, sector four maybe. And by that point, you know, 
you're back to square one, shooting up to turn one again, and Ducatis have cleared off. So, um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting one. But Yamaha situation for this weekend, I would say, is the most interesting one because you have Cal coming back, you have, you know, Fabio trying to defend his his lead, and now he's got a double header at the the worst track for the bike. So it's an interesting to see an interesting one to see where Fabio, well, how he gets on. Um, but, but we do have three factory KTM's this weekend because we, like we say, we have Miguel, Brad, and Danny. Mm-hmm. So that that team must be. I mean, I know there's three of them, but Miguel's Miguel and Brad are probably twenty six and twenty seven or something, twenty five, twenty six. Um, and Danny's thirty. He's got to be thirty-four, Annie. Danny, he's got to be. Uh, Danny's no spring chicken. That's just doing his research. Yep, as prepared as ever. Danny Patrick is thirty-five. Thirty-five. Oh, one year off. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, plenty of experience, and obviously, it'll be interesting to see with that because. Danny's had more years on the KTM than Cal's on the had on the Yamaha, as in in recent years, because Danny's a big reason as to why the KTM has moved forward. So he knows what that bike's capable of, having done the amount of laps he's done. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to right. Cal on the Yamaha. The the only thing is, how will Danny be able to handle the KTM in race situation? Because as everyone keeps bringing up, he's only ever raced a Honda. Ever. Yeah. Let's just point so, out. Like, for anybody that doesn't know, and I'm sure everyone listening probably has seen it, but Danny Petrosa started off in 125s on a Honda, 250s on a Honda, went straight to GP into the Repsol Honda team, and has only raced in Grand Prix racing and World Championship on a Honda. The man has right. done everything. He's as Honda as you can get. Until KTM said, we fancy a bit of that, and now he's on KTM. Until he announced he was retiring, and then KTM was like, here, we'll just throw all this money at you. Please come help us develop this bike. But, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see, you know, do they still have it? I mean, Cal's only been off the bike, what, a couple months did he I race mean, he last tested, year he tested at qatar because i remember he used that stunning livery mm-hmm. um i know we have our differences on liveries but if you think that's a bad livery, no that was a good one. Oh, that was stunning um but anyway uh he did test at qatar and i'm pretty sure did he test at Barcelona? Of some, I think he might have done a slight. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think he's been on it since Qatar. But yeah, he's he's not had a lot of testing on it. Um, but obviously he will be there for both Austria rounds and Silverstone. So, and, and I mean, I know it's different bike, but Cal has actually been fairly good around Silverstone. And I know it's home race and everything, but Cal's right. he's had his bad luck, but. On general pace, he's been pretty decent. Like I think he got did he get a podium there in twenty sixteen? I think he finished second in twenty sixteen when Vinales won, if memory serves me right. Um 
So, and who else was on the podium that day? If, again, memory serves me right, and I'm 99% sure it will, Valentino Rossi. So, there's a lot of good experience in that team leading into Silverstone. Get Austria out the way. I think that's what Patronus will see it as. Get Austria out the way and kind of look forward to getting a good result at Silverstone where the bike's more suited. Because <laughs> I think you, you've kind of got to bite the bullet here if you're Patronus, knowing, you know, it's not... There's no way on this earth Patronus are going to get anywhere near, like, top five. Do you know what I mean? Right. No way. It, it could rain. It could snow. They're not going to get <laughs> anywhere near a top five. I, I can say that very comfortably. Um, well, so, it, you know... Especially it, with the bike around Austria, the bike lacking top speed around which is a very safe track. Yeah. Morbidelli's bike was roughly 20 miles an hour. I think it was 20 miles an hour or kilometers an hour. Slower than the Ducatis. Now, mind you, Magello, you're coming out of that last corner carrying a decent bit of speed and it's a longer front straightaway, but... 20 miles an hour is still 20 miles an hour, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. And, uh, yeah, around Austria with how tight the corners are and how much you have to slow, you might, you know, see a little bit of a drop-off there, or, you know, compared to how much slower they are. But the whole point is, they are way slower yeah. than the Ducatis. So... As good as Cal is, that's a two-year-old bike, and it is struggling to keep up with everybody else because you know, they kept that bike, you know, what it is. They're not really making any uh, improvements on it, so now it's, you know, as everyone else is upgrading their bikes, you know, KTM came with the new chassis, you know, it's it, that bike's gonna struggle. Yeah, I mean, in terms of of all weekends to take over and kind of come in as a wild card, if you're Cal Crutchlow, you've kind of you, you've took the opportunity because it's like that's a great opportunity. You know, you'll probably get paid a bit more to do it, and mm. um, you know, it is what it is. But at the same time, he's he's one million percent sitting there thinking, this is just data to me. Like, this is just cash a check data because on a two year old Yamaha against three KTMs, four Ducatis is in like four ones that four bikes that are going to challenge. You've got mm-hmm. three Yamahas that are all seem to be the better bike now. The 21 bike seems to be a mile better. You've got Mark Marquez and Paul starting to get a little bit of. You know, not great, but like, I mean, if you said to me who's going to win on Sunday out of Mark Marquez or Cal Crutchlow, who are you going to pick? You know, yeah, exactly. So you weigh it all up, and that's if everyone finishes. You've got the Suzuki boys. If Rins decides to finish, he might beat Rins. You know, he might he might beat Rins, but um, there's a lot of people in front of him that I just think it's not. You know, he's not there to win a race. He's there to 
kind of tick boxes in a, in a way and sort of gather data and do everything else other than probably what people are expecting. And I, I do seriously think it'll be a big prep because it's for it. Cal will see it as well. If I'm if I'm coming in for Austria, then I want to be racing at Silverstone. Do you know what I mean? I don't, if it if it was just a no, it's just for Austria. I think it said no. I think they'd have probably asked Garrett Girl off or something like that. I don't think it had done it. Right. I think the attraction of racing at home at Silverstone is something you don't turn down. So yeah, you know, I think, and, I think that's had a big deal in it. Yeah, and like you said earlier, you know, these riders, you know, these well, test riders, but also the the wild card because you know Danny's only a wild card where. You know, Cal is filling in for multiple races. You know, they do get a substantial pay bonus. And that was one of the things um, with uh, Danny is apparently he's been very vocal that he doesn't want to come back and race. He's not he's happy doing what he's doing. So you have to wonder, you know, how much did um, KTM like throw at him like, look, we're going to pay you this much money. Get on the bike and go. I think as well, like, it's great for KTM, A, to kind of not rub salt in the wound of Honda, but kind of make it like Danny Petrovic is a KTM rider. And just general marketing is great because they're at their home race. So they'll see it as home race, three bikes, which people will be like, oh, my God, three bikes, three KTM. Who's on the other KTM? Danny Pedro's it's Danny Pedro's mm-hmm. a KTM right do you know what I mean it's it kind of domino effects onto that and it's just it again it ticks all boxes and Danny would have just said yeah all right then I'll do it for that much if you you know okay if, if you're going to ride anywhere as a wild card as a KTM it's like the wild cards in past years that have raced for Yamaha sometimes I mean like we've had we've seen the odd one here and there like Valencia and whatnot because it's the last race of the season so they just you know but the main ones that tend to wildcard, like I said in the Stump Bunno thing that we did, is it tends to be in Japan. You know, when we did the the third rider, and I was like, if he's Japanese, he yep. might be a, a test rider. That's, you know, so the same reasoning for KTM. If you're going to wildcard, the perfect place to do it, Red Bull, Red Bull Ring, KTM, Austrian, in Austria. You know, it, it just ticks all boxes for him to go and race there, especially the first week not the second week, because then everyone's got data. And, you know, when you've been out of it for three years now, Danny will have been out of it. 2018 was his last year. Yeah, so, you know, you kind of want to not be a step behind when you're already a couple of steps behind getting back into it. It's best for him to go the first week, not the second. So it will be. I am very interested to see how Danny Pedroza gets on. Really interested, because I've always rated Danny. And for me... In my gen, like I say, my generation, but like my generation of watching MotoGP, I would say he is up there, if not the rider. I would pick as my number one best ever rider that's not won a world title. Yeah. Uh, he's just I, <laughs> the bloke has had no luck in terms of injuries through the years, um, right. and. Some of the races and duels that he's had and and won, I, he he's phenomenal rider. So you know, it's for KTM. This is massive. 
this is massive for them. If if Danny brings home a points result, it would be like a win because they right. see it as somebody who is testing this bike can get on this bike and show it's competitive like that. And that's a great sign. If you've got a bike like that, that can just, I know he's obviously not getting on it out of the blue, but it shows that the bike in terms of year by year is getting better. And I know at the start of the year, they struggled, but this new bike, I think if they were on the start of the year's form, I don't think it had done it. But because of this new chassis that he and KTM have tried to develop and it started to work, he probably thinks this bike's not half bad now. You know what I mean? Like this, this is working. So, like I say, I think it's great. I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm very intrigued to see the samurai, as people call him, back on the bike. So, uh, so yeah, I think it should be good. Yeah. Uh, what are your general predictions for Austria? Are, are you confident with KTM? Um, I am. I, I'm, I'm I am. Oliveira down as a possible winner. Um, my whole thing is, you know, the performance of, uh, the performance of Miguel last year, um, you know, how, again, that last turn pass on the last lap. Unbelievable. I will, I rewatch it and it gives me chills. The best it's just... thing about that is that I, I literally called this. I was sat around watching it with family, <laughs> and I, I turned, I think it was to like my sister and my mom, and I literally said, this was like two laps to go, and I turned to them and I was like, if if Jack or Paul, whichever one, is still in like it is, one of them will dive so deep into the last corner and Oliveira will nick this. And I called it like two, three laps to go. Have... And as it happened, I was like, <laughs> Oliveira, now, go! And then he came through I... and it was unbelievable. <laughs> it's such a great move. I have shown that clip to people and I started with, as they're coming up to turn one, I'm like, now pause. And I yeah. show them as they're going through, I'm like, who do you think finishes this race in the first? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know, the guy in the lead. And I play the clip and they're like, they watch that last corner like, where the hell did he come from? Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Like, I had mates being like, oh, I saw MotoGP put the highlights up or whatnot. I think, I think it was Austrian. I'm like, have you watched it? And they're like, I was going to watch it. Is it worth watching? And I'm like, yes, obviously watch it. And then they, they get watching it and they're like, oh, right. So the racing's pretty good and everything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereabouts are you? And this is like over voice call or something like uh, on something. And he's like, oh, they're just in the last lap. And he's like, what is he doing? Oh, these guys are going at it. Wait, where did he come from? Straight away, they're like, where, "Who's that?" Do you know what I mean? Like everyone's so confused when they watch it. But it was a mm-hmm. great move for me. It was probably, probably in terms of just the timing and the whole Paul and Miguel thing that happened that weekend with the intelligent rider, like little Jewel, and they were having a bit of a, yep. a go at one another through practice. And Paul was getting right up behind Miguel, and I've always loved Miguel, so I. It was nice to see, and he's he's such a great guy and a great rider. So, so yeah. But on that note, we are going to quickly go for a break, and then hopefully come back either with Josh or without Josh. We shall see in due course, I guess. But we'll be back with you in a short moment. Welcome back to the Red Sector. So, Josh uh, will not be joining us uh, after 
break as we thought he would be. Uh, he's feeling pretty tired. He's been doing extensive research on the RINs crashes to try to find a cause. Uh, so far, uh, it's just that RINs sucks. So, yeah, so, uh, some some say RINs has got him held captive in his uh, his basement, but we, we you know <laughs> we we just take his word for it. But Josh yeah. won't be uh, joining us until after. You'll hear back from Josh maybe when Rins has crashed out on Sunday and then Josh comes onto the podcast after that and just goes off on one. That's probably when everyone listening to this will hear from Josh again. If not, mm-hmm. Rins is probably like, he's probably just taped Josh up and you'll never hear from him again. So yeah, yeah. that's the situation yeah. on Josh. Yeah. So uh, we're going to move into our second quarter grading for the MotoGP paddock. Um, this this will we will be reviewing their performances from Magello, Barcelona, Saxon Ring, and Assen. Um, it's kind of a weird one today because uh, the summer break just happened to come in between or right before what would have been their tenth race of the season uh, in what is supposed to be a 20 race season so it should technically be after the next race but then there's no break between those races so it's we're just, just gonna do it today easier yeah it's, it's just easier for us because we've got these three weeks to kind of fill four weeks or whatever it's been um we've done the stump thing we've done our interview with matt um uh-huh. and we thought this would be a good thing to do kind of just splitting up the three weeks doing something different each time but we will be doing in in between these these slots that we have for races. We do have plans to do like do little different things in and around. Maybe the week in between Silverstone, if we're all there for it, because at the minute our schedules do cross paths a little bit on that um, on the days that we're planned to record. But maybe we can do the stump for you and Josh. Maybe I can prepare for that. Who knows? We don't know yet. We'll we'll have to wait and see. But as of right now, we're going to do the grading for. Basically, oh, Magello, Catalonia, Saxon Ring, and Assen. So it's a four-race grading, basically. Um, we will work from bottom to top, like last time. And we will go off the kind of English grading system, like last time, in that we'll go with A-star or A-plus, if you like. Or, like, yeah, whatever. An A for near enough, perfect. Um, B, C, D, E. And maybe like an F for absolutely woeful. And if you've like yep. not participated in any of the races because you're held captive in the Rins basement with Josh, then you get a U. But <laughs> nobody applies to that. Yeah. So we're all good. Um so Matt, where do you want to start from? I think we should have start from everyone that has raced or if you like participated in the last four races. Which would include Garrett Gerloff, but I feel like that's I was just about to say to do that in a way. Like we I think we could just give him a general grade and be like, I think personally, I think he did well at Assen because <laughs> new tires, well different tires if you like, a track that he's not got a lot of experience on, new bike, new mechanics, new team, new everything. And also on an older Yamaha to the one that he would have raced last year. So it's a different, but it's not like he, 
you know, and also last year he only raced in like a wet Valencia. You know, a dry Assen is not anything that, of the same nature. Um, so, quick word on Garrett Gerloff. I think he did great. If I'm going to give him a grade, I'd give him I'd give him a C slash B. I, you know, I think an A A star would be like if he put it in like top six or something. If he had one of those kind of races, right. but I think honestly, solid for Garrett. He brought it home and. He was only about 40, 50 seconds, I think, off the race winner. And everybody else, barring Vinales, was like five seconds plus anyway. So I don't know what it was, but 50 seconds is a lot. But to not get lapped, you know, you've got to be keeping pretty decent, consistent pace to not get lapped as a new kind of when you're tucked in the deep end like that. So, yeah, decent. Um, we had Michele Pirro in at Mugello who finished yep. 13th, who, to be honest, for, for Michele Pirro, that's, for Mugello with the Ducati, I don't think that's great. Like, Michele's better than that. He has had some decent results. Um, so I'll, I'll give Michele a D for that. I don't think it's awful. He got points. But he's definitely capable of better. And he's he, he's the test rider. So, you know, he's done so many laps on that bike. See, I'd have to go with a C for Hero. Just because, yeah, he is capable more, but he's a test rider. He's not racing in race conditions every weekend like the rest of them. And to finish in the points. But the thing is, he is. He is racing. He races like every week. The guy, honestly, if you if you gave every... if you, If I put in the last let's say from 2017 to 2019, so before COVID, if I gave you those 17, 18, 19 years of schedules of the riders in world racing, world bike racing, I would honestly put forward in terms of Grand Prix, not endurance, Grand Prix race riders, Michele Pirro will be one of the busiest guys you've ever seen. The guy rides in Italian CEV, he like wild cards in world superbike, MotoGP, test rides for the Ducati team, Ducati events, Ducati this, Ducati that. The guy, honestly, I think his hands must be like just molded to handlebars. Like Honestly, he must have like handlebars engraved to his hands. Um, but I know what you mean. Like He's not racing a world championship, but I don't know. I think, yeah, maybe C, D, but I, I don't know. I just think, especially with Mugello being the track for Ducati to want to win at. Do you know what I mean? It's their track. Not their and it's Ferraris, but like they they do a lot of like testing sort of thing and whatnot around there. I just I don't know. C slash D. Let's move on. Um, Savadori, two point scoring positions, fifteenth, fifteenth, a retirement, and sixteenth. So I don't know. C. I'm thinking maybe D. Like he's down there for a reason. Um, and I think the the way his teammates going kind of sinks him down a lot more. <laughs> um, I think that's only fair. What do you think? Uh, I think C, D, D, C. I don't. I'll go with D. If it had got a bit he's... better than fifteenth, then maybe a C. I mean, he's he's on the Aprilia. It's yeah, Alicia's making it do things it probably shouldn't do. Or is or is Salvadori not doing things that it can do? 
Do you know what I mean? This is the question right. of like, if Dovi gets on it, can he show what Aleish can do? Because if that's the case, then that shows that Savadori is not at the capability of what a, a better rider can get out of the bike. Do you know what I mean? So, right. you know, and you look at Aleish's results in the last four races, seventh retirement at Catalonia, seventh and eighth. So the guy's putting it in the top eight when he's finishing every time. Um, and just to give context, Alicia's had a seventh, tenth, sixth, sixth, which sixth, sixth is their best ever result. The guy's had it twice in one year. Uh, retirement seventh, retirement seventh, eighth. So, you know, on most days, Alicia's put in the Aprilia in the top eight, which just goes to show if you have a good rider on it and the, the rider suits the bike and everything's sweet and everything dandy, that bike is getting there. So I think a D is probably about fair for Zavadori. But if you want to give him a C, B, A, or whatever. But I'm looking right now, I want to see. So in Assen, he finished ahead of Marini and Gerloff. Barcelona, he was the last bike. And Marini did actually... Get, did he get taken out or like he, he had a problem or something, didn't he? he? He was at the back for not on pace. I'm pretty sure he got knocked back over something, if memory serves you right. And you've got Garrett Gerloff in 17th, like you say, and then you've got Savadori. So it's not, you know, he's not pulling trees up, is he? Right. And then in Mugello, Marini and Morbidelli were behind him. Yeah, Morbidelli got took out, didn't he? Yeah. And so, still, still riding with an injured knee. So, yeah. It's, it's not like he's beating, you know. I'm gonna go I'd have D. to give him a D. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next rider, Ikla Quona, which, before everyone shoots the guy, I <laughs> genuinely think, on results, it's not been fantastic. But... But if you have been watching the sessions more than just the race, you will know that Ikela Kona is improving. He is improving. The last four races, that guy has looked a mile better than the start of the season. In Assen, he very, very merely missed out on Q2, which if you'd have said at Qatar, Lekona's challenging for Q2, you'd have been saying, give that guy a contract. You know, he's, he's looking great and... Do you know what I mean? So, right. he is moving forward. The results have just not been great. 11th in Mugello, that's a great result. For a Tech 3, that's a great result. Considering you had these brand new parts on the factory KTM, so they went flying up. You've got the Yams, the Ducatis, the Suzukis. So, the, the, the challenge that he had in front of him to get 11th, I think, is a great result. A retirement, a 17th, a retirement. And retirement. Yeah. Yep. So, me personally, I'll give him a C, even though that seems a little bit wrong. But honestly, I think his actual improvement on, I'm grading him on the four races in terms of four weekend. I think he's done all right. The 11th is a great result. The retirements are unfortunate, but he has improved. It sounds daft. We'll see how he goes on at the likes of Austria and Styria and whatnot. But shoot me, unpopular opinion, C. 
C is not great. C is like meh. So I'm not, you know, I'm not giving him an, an A. Right. Or C. I, I can agree with the C. And it's not, it's not the best grade. It's not the worst grade. And he, yeah, the 11th, he, you know, like you said, the Ducati, or the, yeah, Ducati, the KTMs brought the upgrades. Um, you know, we really saw Miguel and Brad come alive. It's, yeah, so he put it in a place he probably shouldn't have because you look at the next two, you know, DNF and Saxon ring. Uh, or no. No, DNF in Barcelona, a 17th in Saxon ring, and then a DNF in Assen. The Assen one was very unfortunate. I remember watching it and it was like, I don't. I just watched him all weekend and thought he could get a a good points scoring result. Um, but hey, it it only matter what matters is the result, and he he didn't finish. So I can sit here and try and defend him. He didn't finish. But C or D, I think is fair. Um, Luca Marini, seventeenth, twelfth, fifteenth, eighteenth, mixed bag. A mixed bag, but you know, like I kind of give him benefit of the doubt being a, a rookie. We, we people tend to forget he is still a rookie. And right. can you remember at Qatar that he made the Ducati look like a mini bike? He was like so awkwardly sat on it, and he was like, yeah. well, first, before I get any pace, I need to feel comfortable on the bike. So, you know, Marini is huge. I don't think he's like extraordinarily big, but like he is pretty big guy. Um, but seventeenth is pretty bad. I mean, that's the lowest finishing result in Magello. But again, I think I think he and Morbidelli got took out. If memory does serve me right, yeah, I think he got took out. So again, kind of benefit of the doubt there. Twelfth, not a bad result in Catalonia. Not. Not bad. 15th points and 18th in in Assen, which, again, I, I'm pretty sure he did have either an issue or he got took out. I can't remember. Like, But I don't want to just keep being boring and, and be C. Because to I get... Think... Go on. I'd have to give him a B because he did score points in two of the races. Yeah. To get the and... 12th and the, thir- and the 15th, I mean... Yeah, I mean you got to yeah, he... got to weigh it up. The guy's on a, the guy's on the lowest Ducati, is in like he's not on a twenty twenty one Ducati, he's on a twenty twenty Ducati, and right. he's so again weigh it up. There are four Ducatis in front of him in terms of the twenty twenty ones. There are three twenty twenty one Yamahas, there are two Suzukis, and there are two Hondas. And you weigh it all up, and you're like, how is he going to finish in front or even? in the points, but behind them. He has to beat some of them. So, like you say, you know, to get two uh, point-scoring positions is pretty good. Um, so I, I will give him a C. I'll give him a C if you want to go with B. I, I, can, I think that's fair enough. It sounds like we're being really nice, but you have to kind of look behind just the on-paper results in a way. I know that's what we're kind of grading them on, but you have to give context and a bit of reasoning as to why. And when you look behind the scenes and you see that Marine has finished 17th in Magello, where the bike suits it more so, then you go back and you go, why is he 17th? The guy got took out. 
you know, his race was already finished. So, hey, I can't sit there and say, oh, but if if he didn't get taken out, he would have, because that doesn't count for anything. But again, we can't sit there and be like, if you got took out and then mark them down for it, it's not really their fault. Right. Next up, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but 19th we have Rossi. Say it. Um, 10th retirement, 14th retirement. I'm happy to say D because I still think Patronus are so off it. They just are like the Patronus seems so off the mark still. Um, and there's still there's there's a bit of a not a, a thing going round, but like everyone was talking about the Lewis Hamilton thing after Hungary, and he looked so like exhausted and everything. And he said in the post race uh, interview when they went like into the media conference like pit, and he was like, you know, on the tail end of last year when he got COVID, it's still hard to be recovering from doing this do you know what i mean and it you it kind of everyone put two and two together and was like well rossi got covid last year i wonder if you know since then his results have gone down i wonder if that has a factor into it you know the guy's not young the guy's older than lewis hamilton so right i'm not blaming covid before everyone thinks i'm blaming covid for why he's not doing great i think patronus have been bad i think the bike's struggling i think rossi's struggling um, but it's just a factor that I kind of thought, yeah, that might, you know, might slot into the same thing as, as Rossi. But I, I'll give Rossi a D. I don't think he's been great. I think the team's been a bit meh. And yeah. Yeah. And one of the things with Rossi is, you know, this stuff with his team coming in next season. You know, you have to wonder how that's taken a toll on him. You know, is his head really in it? Because he he didn't want to go to Patronus, you know he wanted to stick with Yamaha, um, and basically they were like, well, you know, we're bringing Fabio up, so it's either you go to Patronus or you're shit out of luck. Yeah, because Yamaha basically saw it as, I mean, hindsight's a great thing, but Yamaha saw it as, well, if we don't sign him, meaning Fabio, Suzuki or Ducati, we're going to sign him. Um, so they had to sign him and obviously thinking, well, Maverick's young, he's here for the long term. Valentino's 41, 40 or whatever it was at the time. We've kind of got to move on the old guy and now they've moved him on. And it's mad to think that this time last year, we, we knew Fabio was coming into the team, but imagine before last year, before COVID and everything, when we were expecting just Rossi and Vinales and thinking he'll retire on a factory bike and then thinking a year's time, two years time, neither will be in the factory team because obviously Vinales is leaving. It is kind of crazy to think. Um, but anyway, on gradings, what, what did you give Rossi? I'm giving him a D. Okay. Yeah, it's, and especially, you know, everyone was saying with going into Assen, oh, this is Rossi's track, you know, here's where he'll finally, you know, get his bearing straight and he'll, you know, he'll finally be at a track that he really enjoys. He got the whole, um, what, he's an official citizen of Assen. Yeah. Uh, all that stuff. And then he goes down seven laps in. Like, yeah. It all looked yeah. so good, didn't it? Almost too good to be true. But um, moving on. Yeah. Oh, hey, Martin, I'm happy to skip this because the guy, injury-wise, it's so unfair to grade him. Even if you grade Didn't... him good or you grade him bad, I think it's kind of unfair. 
Oh, I'm pulling up his results right now. Oh, he he had he didn't compete at Magello because Piro started him for well was it Piro that started him? Yeah, part Piro. Yeah, he started. only did Catalonia. He finished 14th. Germany 12th, and DNF'd at Assen. Yeah. I mean. <clears throat> I think it's just unfair in a way because that injury was bad, and to come right, back I mean he missed on, a large chunk of yeah. I mean I, I graded Mark, but that's a that's a bit different. The guy had the whole of last year out and came back, and we kind of graded it based on the fact we knew about the injury, and it was a you know Jorge Martin rookie had how many races before two races before getting injured and now he's coming back in the guy's still learning you know what i mean the guy's still mm -hmm. very very raw um so i, I mean hey I, i'm not gonna grade him but if you want to grade him you can i just think it's a bit weird to grade i mean i'd be all right giving him like because i'm looking at 14th at catalonia a 12th at uh saxon ring and then DNF to Assen. I mean, I'd be all right giving him like a C or a, maybe a B. I think a B is all right, yeah, because he's still injured and he's yeah. Rookie. He came back injured. He's a rookie, and he's still coming back and almost putting it in the top ten. Exactly, and it's at least getting it in the points. Yeah, yeah. All right then. If I was to give him a grade, I'd give him a B. But yeah, seventeenth. Danilo Petrucci. Now this is a mixed bag because we've got ninth <laughs> retirement, retirement, thirteenth. Barring the retirements, there's two very good results. The nuts, the ninth in. I mean, Tech Three and Magello had a brilliant weekend. They they waited their time for it, but ninth and eleventh was brilliant. Um, a great result. Retirement, retirement, and thirteenth. Thirteenth is not bad for Assen Tech Three. The KTM wasn't great around Assen. It was all right, but you know, to be the less well, less competitive KTMs, and to be getting it in the points, I think that's all right. I'm going to give him a B. I'm just trying, um, because yeah, he's the ninth. Like you said, Magello. That was just KTM's race, like. KTM's came alive that race. Netherlands, 13th, put it in the points. The thing I keep looking at, though, is... Uh, at Catalonia... I'm going to knock him down to a C. I'm going to knock him down to a C. Sorry, you, you cut out. I didn't know if you were carrying on talking, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking... I can't give him a B with two DNFs. I've just realized I can't do Cat that. And if you look at the DNFs, Catalonia finished four laps, or five laps. Germany finished four. Mm, yeah. Like those weren't like those were early retirements. Like he at Catalonia, he completed eight minutes and 33 seconds at Germany, five minutes, 34 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would see. Yeah. I was being a bit ambitious with B. Um, and they about, I, I mean, should we move I mean, on, or have you got one more thing to say about Danilo? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, the the two places he finished, you wonder what he could have done 
had he not DNF'd at the middle two. But I could understand, like, wanting to put a B based... If you just looked at those two performances, the 9th, the 13th, just those two, yeah, you're like, yeah, B. He's not setting the world on fire. He's putting the bike probably where it shouldn't be, you know, or about where it should be. But then you look at the two DNFs, you're like, you didn't even make it, like, 10 minutes into either race. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah, you just dropped it. I think it'd be hard to put D when he's had a, his best result of the season in those four mm-hmm. races. Do you know what I mean? So C is perfect. But you can't really go B either because yeah. he, he DNF'd so early on. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree so... with that. Um, Anea Bastianini, a guy who I am massively fond on, not had the best results on paper, but the guy is on the worst Ducati on the grid. He is a rookie. Yep. And, you know, I wouldn't say knowing an air, I don't think his style is... I don't look at his style and think that's a Ducati-style rider. So the guy, again, we've got to remember rookie. Rookie plays a massive factor into this. Right. Um, but we have a retirement, a 10th, a 16th and a 15th. So, a 10th. Hold on. Because Magello wasn't a retirement. Well, it was yeah. a not finish, not start. Because he have it down flipped. As retirement, but yeah, he, he smashed. Because that was when Zarko. he, like, endoed into the back of Zarco and completely yeah. destroyed his bike. Yeah. Which, to be fair, was just a bit of a freak accident, but it wasn't really a you've done something to not finish the race. You know what I mean? You've not, his race, We I think we should, we just put it as like a ungradable because it was one of them. He didn't, he didn't purposely crash. It was just a freak accident. I think we should in a way just kind of blank it and go off of um, 10th, 16th, 15th. Cause it's not, do you know what I mean? It's not like a Danilo thing right. where he's raced and then made a mistake. Yeah, he started and he, like he dropped just, it in the it, first it, corner. How many times can you say that that's happened to riders where you've seen someone endo into the back of somebody trying to warm a tire up on the... You know what I mean? It, it's very freak. Yeah. Um, so, having said that, bar the freak, all season, an, a rookie on that bike has not only just had one retirement, but he's only had one time out the points when he's finished. So on the whole season, not just the last quarter, I think Anea Bastianini, for me, is having an A for a season. I think, honestly, when you weigh it all up, I think he's doing brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The last four races, I mean, looking 10th. At... 10th. Imagine, imagine yeah, before I... the race of Catalonia, of all tracks, getting up your predicted top five and then going, Oh no, but I've got to leave out. I've got to leave. I've got to leave. I've got to leave. And putting all the people you'd leave out and then going, Oh, but by the way, what's actually going to happen is Anea is going to be in that group. It'd be like, what? Anea Bastianini is in the top 10. A top 10 on that bike is a phenomenal result. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, he finished and ninth in the other... Portugal, was it? Yeah, Portugal. But yep. I just think he's having a brilliant year, to be honest. I, I give him an A. And you figure all the other bikes that are around him, mm. you know, he's competing with, you know, 
KTM's, well, and no, well, yeah, he would have been compete with like the Tech Threes. Um, he's going to be right there with the Patronuses, with the, um, uh, the Mark, uh, Al yeah, um, Alex and uh, Taka. The LCR crew, yeah. So, like, you look at those bikes, you look at the riders he's competing with as a rookie. I mean, for these four races, I'd probably give him a B. Because as phenomenal as he has done, there was that incident. Yeah. So I'd be, yeah. I'd have to say a B. I think if, for me, if he was on a 2021 Ducati, I'd say B slash C. But rookie, 2020 Ducati, which we're pretty, you know, certain that the 2021 does look a better bike. They look, the 2021 Ducati looks a lot more friendly to a non Davizioso kind of rider. Do you know what I mean? Like the 2020 bike looks very, Dovi could ride it and other people were kind of like, nah, it's not, it's not great. It's all right. Like Jack had a good spell on it, but that's more so because he had a, a few years on the Ducati and, you know, it, I think this this year's Ducati is a lot better than last. So to say that they're on a worse Ducati, I think it's the wor worst Ducati. I don't think it's better than the 2021 bike. Rookie, a top 10, points, and just missing out on points. And yeah, the free And I'm probably being a bit kind, to be fair, today. But hey, I'm, I'm happy to give him an A. I'll, I'll go with that. Moving on. Alex Marquez. Now, what do you mm -hmm. think of Alex Marquez? Because... 14th, 11th, retirement and 14th. It doesn't scream amazing, but nothing on a Honda has screamed amazing this year. But I'm not giving him that as like an excuse because I gave Rossi a D and that was part of the reason being Patronus have been off it. So I, I can't, you know. And at Saxon Ring, again, only completed four laps. Yeah, I mean, tyres are just a big thing with Saxon Ring, aren't they? You, you've got to be good with your tyres. Um, I really don't know. I think I'll go C. I think D would be a bit harsh because he has, he has finished in points. But again, is that a big achievement on a Honda? I don't know. I mean, to get CD. 11th at Barcelona. It's all right, but it's not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I say, eleventh in Barcelona for a guy who's been in this is second year now, and you've got a Bastianini finishing tenth on a on an old, old Ducati as a rookie. It's like when you weigh it up, he's finishing behind that. Like I can't give him a you know I can't give him any higher than a C. C at a push. C slash D for me for Alex Marquez. I'd... If we're going off the first four races, I'd give him I'd give him an F. But um we're going off the last four races, so yeah. Um for that, I'll give him a C. Yeah, I'm alright with a C. Oh. I mean, it... I've just seen who is like next. It... <laughs> As Josh starts to get cold sweats. Everyone, if you're a regular listener, you will know who that is straight away. <laughs> the running joke of Red Sector is um, in 14th, 
Alex Rins. Alex Rins. I'm sorry, Alex, but I'm going to have to give you an E. And the only reason it's not an F is the ninth place in Catalonia and the fact in 18th you brought it home after being wiped out. If you'd have retired, I'd have been like, you know what, I don't blame you, but you did get taken out. He didn't, you know, he didn't crash. He got ta- he got took out. So, yeah, but your race form has been. Um... Oh wait, no, did he bring it home in Aston, or did he? Like, I I can't remember the result he got in Aston. Did he retire it after a bit? But he did get wiped out because he, he dragged it back. He finished 11th in Assen. 11th. So right. here's the thing. He, he oh, crashed sorry, out sorry, in I'm Italy. I'm looking at Morbidelli. I'm looking at Morbidelli. I do apologize. <laughs> so he crashed out in Italy. He didn't participate in Catalonia because he ran into a van parked on the side of the track. I have to reiterate that. He came back in Germany to get 11th and an 11th in Assen. Yeah, F. <laughs> Straightforward. Retirement <laughs> yeah. in, in Barcelona. Uh, sorry, in Mugello. That crash was so frustrating because he was in such a good position like every single race and um, binned it. And like you say, I think if, if he'd have not raced since Catalonia, I would have given him a U just for the fact that you're a Grand Prix rider and you're on your phone while cycling, and you're that daft to not look up and think, hmm, that's a van, and you've gone straight into it and injured yourself. Like, I'm sorry, Alex, but you're not giving us anything to work with here. You have no leg to stand on. I know we talked about this when it happened. I I still have so many questions. Where was he on the track? Where was this van? Because, like, if you've ever driven... Catalonia on MotoGP, F1, any of the hundred of video games it's in. There's a lot of runoff between the that, track and the wall. There's a good wall. reason. There's a good reason nobody else ran into this van. He's the only person that went. It's not like it's not like half the grid went into this van because it was in a, an awkward position or. Yeah. No, no, the Wongle trap is in the calendar so far. All right, then, Alex. Fair enough. We'll 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 give you this. No, the only thing I, I can give you, Alex, is on the back for bringing it back to eleventh in Assen. Great ride. Because you went stone last, eleventh in Germany. Bad result. Catalonia, you get a U for that. And Italy, great position, and you binned it like you have previously. So I'm giving you an F. If it w- The only reason it's not a U is the fact that, you know, the guy's on a great bike. Let's not, right. you know, let's not mess around. He's not on a poor performing Suzuki. Like other teams have improved, but Suzuki is still a good bike. His teammate is doing a mile better than him. The guy is... I just, I, I honestly, I know we laugh and joke, but I'm lost for words with Rins every time we try and break it down. I just, I am, I just am. I just, it frustrates me. I know it frustrates Josh, but it frustrates me um, just as much. But uh, probably no, no, not as much. It definitely doesn't frustrate me as much as it does Josh. But um, F. I mean, I, I think it frustrates F. everyone. Yeah, I'm going with an F too. But I think yeah. it frustrates everyone because he's capable of so much That's more. On, yeah. Guy, and it's honestly, just like, 
you look at you look at Portamount, and he's in yeah. third. Oh, he has to it, no, yeah, Zarka went down ahead of him, so he's in second. All he has to do is just stay with it. And it, you know, there was the whole thing of well, you know, Fabio started pushing harder and leaning farther, and all this and that to try to you know and get Rins to go down. Just chill. and it's like it's like then just. You you guys are seconds ahead of third place. Just relax, please. If like everyone knew, everyone knew that if Fabio hit the front and started hitting lap after lap, he was the only rider that could go lap after lap after lap after lap at a solid pace. People could do it pace, 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 quick lap, pace, 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 quick lap, like Rins. He had like this spell where he did two or three laps where he went really quick and just did fastest laps. And we were like, mm-hmm. he's pushing Fabio. But Fabio would, would have literally just gone, oh, okay then, um, looks like we're picking up the pace. Used a bit of his tie and Rins was like, oh yeah, I can do that pace. No, you can't, Alex. No, no you can't because you binned it. And then he went on a spell of retirement, 20th, retirement, retirement, van, 11th, 11th. Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> F, Alex Rins, pull your socks up, please. Please mm-hmm. give me something for the third quarter review for me to go. Alex Rins, well done. You have got an A grade. I want to give Alex Rins an A. Be a minimum. Make us apologize. Yeah, make us come on the podcast and dedicate it to an apology directly to Alex Rins, please, I want to give the man something good because I seriously think last year, <coughs> sorry, last year, if he would have not have crashed at Hareth at the season opener and done his collarbone and you look at the results in general, the guy could have won the world. He could be the Johan Mir. He could be the Johan Mir sitting there with one world title in his pocket, done, in the one year that it was for anyone to take. Do you know what I mean? Like, the guy has that capability of winning a world title and just somehow manages to bin it all the time, even when we're not actually racing. You turn up to the racetrack and you're like, right, Alex, we're just going for a cycle. Like, that's that's all we're going to do. And he's like, I must crash somehow. Like, just chill, please. Just chill out. I mean, do you... We're, we're going to move on in a minute, but you, you got to wonder if it has something to do with Mir winning the championship. I, you know, I, I he... said this. I, I genuinely think it might. I think it's a case of I need to get one back. I need to get in front of Mir. I can't finish behind Mir. And Mir's just like, okay, I'll I'll just sit behind and wait for you to crash. Oh, he's crashed. Okay, I'll finish in front. That's, I mean, yeah. look at some of his results last year. And he was like right there, you know, in the top three, and, you know, getting consistent podiums. And now this year, it's just like a completely different person. You're like, what are you? Like, what happened to you? Who hurt you? What did someone do to this Alex Rins over the window? Like, what actually happened? Um, One year right, championship let, happened. Yeah, let, let's move <laughs> on because honestly, I think Josh might resurrect from the earth of this this Rins world that we're living in and just, yeah. Um, Frankie yeah, Morbidelli, uh, another one I'm happy to discard because he's been riding injured the whole circumstance with his knee and everything. And A 16th, a 9th, and an 18th didn't participate in Assen because of his knee surgery. 
16th. He was going <sighs> in injured and got took out. Like, can you remember at Le Mans when he had the bike dropped on his already injured knee and he was sitting there in pit lane, like, just collapsed, as you would with a, you know, injured ACL. Um, so Magello, I kind of, you know, it's not his fault. It got took out and injured. Ninth in Catalonia, not bad for the least competitive Yamaha. Um, Germany, 18th, again, ninth. He's still injured. The guy, the, the reason the guy's not racing is because he's gone. I, I, honestly, I can't do this. It's, it's too much. But yet, he somehow managed to get a ninth in Catalonia. Um, 18th in Germany, which I believe there was some kind of shenanigans going on. I think he might have been sent wide really early on or something. Um, I've been so... to sleep since then. And obviously, he didn't participate in Athens. So. I'm just going to leave Frankie Morbidelli. I think he does deserve some kind of rest of some sort. I don't think he needs criticizing too much. He's had a he's had a rough year for Frankie. I'm going to put down a C just so he has a grade, but it's just an, again another one of those meh grades. Mm. It's like, well, you didn't you didn't mess up. You you're there's other circumstances at play here. Yeah, it's kind of it's a uh, bit harsh, isn't it, to give him a, a set grade on something. Um, Paula Spargaro. Now, this is an interesting one because, yeah, this is hard. This is yeah, this is hard. I'm stuck between B and C. I kind of want to give him C because he is literally sat behind one of the LCRs. I say that he is on equal points, so he's not really sat behind, but he is. Um, twelfth retirement, tenth and tenth. Again, the guy is on a new bike and a bike that we all know is not competitive. It is a hard bike to be riding on at the minute. I'm not entirely sure with this cut off, but we shall continue. Um, I was talking about Paula Spargro, um, uh, so we'll 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 carry on from there. Paul Spargro, I'm gonna give. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna go. C plus, if you like, with an American twist. B minus, C plus. What do you reckon, Matt? It's hard. It's a very hard one to grade. Because I kind of want to give Tacker, who's above him, a B. Because I think Tacker's been the best Honda this year. Besides Mark. That's him. Mark actually has more points. Yeah, Mark's just and coming came, in and like, came, in, me. came in two lap or two races after. It's it's this because he's on a new bike to him at least. Yeah, that is actually crazy to think about what you've just said in a way because Mark's gone. But, I don't want to race for the first two. I'll retire for three of them, but I'll still have more points than all the Hondas. How right? How's the guy doing that? Like. Oh my god. Anyway, Paul Sparkro. But for Paul, a 12th, a DNF at Barcelona with only four laps completed, mm -hmm. a 10th at Germany, and a 10th at Assen. I mean, I feel like this is as good, like those positions are as good as he's going to get. I feel mm -hmm. like at this point, you're, what, nine races in? So you should have a general understanding of the bike. 
you know, you, you look at, you know, F1, and I, I use uh, Checo Perez as an example. He said, I'm going to need about, what was it, five or six races in the Red Bull before I'm finally got my hands on it. And what happens at the fifth race? It's Baku, and he wins. Yeah, I mean, you know, circumstances the, permitted, but the guy's still warm. Right. Yeah. But it's, you know, yes, there's a embedding period that you have to work through. And it, it, after nine races, I get it. It's a completely different kind of vehicle. And, you know, uh, there's probably so much more that goes into it. But after nine races, I would hope you under, like, have control of this bike. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I, I think with the Checo comparison as well, I always see F1 and MotoGP as this in that in F1, I see it as 80% the car, 20% the, the, the driver. And I see MotoGP as 20% the bike and 80% the rider. I think the rider has a bigger effect on their results than a driver would based on if they were driving a middle of the range car and you had a great driver. I think it would finish a bit better than average. Whereas if you had a bit um, an average bike and a great rider, I think it would finish top five. For example, I, mean, look, I would say Frankie Morbidelli last year. He's on a, a meh bike. A top rider wins three races on it. Do you know what I mean? And look at like what happened with Honda last year when Marquez went down. Everyone was saying, you know, whenever he went down and everyone saw like, oh, the Honda's finishing middle of the road, you know, has Mark been basically forcing this bike into places it shouldn't be because exactly. Mark is such an amazing rider. Exactly. It goes to show how, A, how bad the Honda is and B, how good Mark is. Mm -hmm. So, um, on to the, the scoring, I'm going to go, oh. I, I'm going to give Taka and Paul a B because... I just think, well, they're on equal points. Tack has been on that bike now for longer than Paul, and Paul's kind of new to the bike, so it kind of levels it out for each, both on equal points, like I say. Tack has had a fourth place, which is great, so I'm going to just do two in one and say B. B for both. Uh... I went with C+, plus, but I'm going with B. B- minus for Paul, if you like. Uh, oh, shit. I'm pulling up uh, Taka's results. Don't worry, Matt. You will not get shot for giving them a grade and getting it somewhat wrong. No, I just want to... I, 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 I like to look at the grades. I like to... Yeah. Yeah, actually, because, like I said, there's... With the... Like, you know, how many of them finished... Or DNF'd out of a race with only like four laps. Yeah. So Taka also... DNF'd with after 19 laps in Italy, 13th at Barcelona, 13th at Germany, a ninth at Assen. It's mare in it, but at the same time, you know, three score po uh, point scoring results. Um. Yeah. In fact, I would say yeah. the last four results, I'd probably say, oh, I don't know, C plus for both of them. I'm I'm really undecided, but I'm going to go C plus for both. 
I'm all right giving them a B. Yeah. Now, um, the the next one. God. I mean, I kind of want to just give him an A. And that's... <laughs> like... But for context, and before I, I tell you who the rider is, if you are listening and you have... You don't have to do them all. But if you have a rider that you think we disagree, like you disagree with what we've given them, or maybe you just want to say what you would give them, maybe the, your favorite rider, let us know on Twitter or messages or put it in the Discord or whatever, because I'm more than happy to have a conversation about why I've given them a certain result. Or maybe you can tell us what you would give them and why. I feel like Josh will be giving his reasonings of why to give Rins a U and not an F. But... We carry on. We go with 10th place, and we have Mr. Marquez, but not Alex, obviously. We have Mark. Now, we have retirement. Retirement, first and seventh. I mean, you want to talk about mixed bag, but that first result is not just any kind of first. Do you know what I mean? That first is like... It's almost like the equivalent of winning five races. Because of the circumstances. People can sit there and say, Oh, but it's Saxon Ring. Mark always wins around Saxon Ring. Okay, you go to your favourite track on the on the MotoGP game. I will take away one of your thumbs and I want you to I want you to still win. Do you know what I mean? Like if I, I want to take away your left thumb so that you have to use another finger to direct the bike and you go, Oh, Oh, wait, I can't use the controller properly. That's not fair. The guy still won. You know, that, like Jack Miller said, the guy still managed to beat us all with one arm. Like The the, the win at Saxon Ring mm-hmm. boosts it straight up for me. I'm giving Mark Marquez for the simple reason that he's jumped in front of all Hondas. A seventh result is good. That is amazing anyway with one arm. And he's won with that injury and still coming back. Yes, he's had two retirements. Yeah, I know that. But I'm giving him an A. And honestly, being a massive Rossi fan and everything, stereotypically, you don't you don't love Marquez Brothers. You don't love, you know, a rival to your favourite uh, rider. But I have nothing but respect for what Mark did at Saxon Ring, so I'm giving him an A. I don't remember, because I'm looking at the results. The Italy... He went down on, on lap one, or he had completed one lap. It said he did a minute 54. So did he crash on the second lap? Yeah, I think he did. I think he crashed on the second lap going around turn two, three, if memory serves okay. me right. We'll go with that. And then Catalonia, seven laps, then the... And you look at that Saxon ring, and yeah, it's Saxon ring. Yeah, he wins there all every race. But at the same point... He still has to win. Do you know what I mean? He's still like... he And you look at the gap that he had to... Because, yeah, Oliveira was like a second, like a second and a half off of him. But he then didn't make to the any mistake for to let Oliveira come back, do you know what I mean? And he was but perfect. Then you look at the gap back to third place, and it was astronomical. Yeah, which credits so, Oliveira, but still, like, yeah, yeah, a. I'm giving him an A. 
because of the injury as well. Like, yeah, a hey. ninth Brad Binder. Oh, this is going to be hard. Fifth, eighth, fourth, and then that twelfth place. I'm giving him a B. But the reason I'm not giving him an A or anything like that is because I do expect better results because of the upgrades that they've had. So I'm giving him a B. Solid yeah, results. And... Yeah, um, they've they brought the upgrades and you know, he he did win la- one race last year, so it to get a fifth and especially with you look at the early on, a fourteenth, an eighth, a fifth in Portugal, a DNF in uh Perez, thirteenth in France, but yes, it was the rain and yeah. But then fifth, eighth, fourth, and then a freak twelfth. Yeah, fourth is a great result in Germany. I did actually say I think mm-hmm. it'd be a strong KTM weekend before that. Um, and then these new upgrades at Mugello and whatnot bump them up to fifth with Brad, eighth Catalonia. I think it's mixed bag. I think if that twelfth place was maybe a sixth, I'd be saying A. Hey, yeah, but yeah, I I'm good that with the B. it down to a B. Now we have Aleish in eighth place, who has seventh Shh. retirement, seventh, eighth. It's brilliant. The the finishing results are brilliant. And the bike, he's putting that bike, you know, I mean, for me, Aleish is, I don't want to sound harsh, but in terms of the the level of skill and talent you need to be at MotoGP level is insane. Now, whether I think Savadori has that, I think he's just in the threshold underneath it. He is a MotoGP rider, but I'm talking to compete. Do you know what I mean? And I think Aleish is not twice the rider that Savadori is, but I think his skill level and just the general how good of a rider he is is miles in front of Savadori. And that's not disrespecting Savadori. That's just, if anything, crediting Aleish. But he is taking a bike that, where it's come from and everything, when he finishes, 7th, 7th, 8th, that's amazing for an Aprilia. Bring in mind, we've sat there and said... If you're on a, uh, you know, one of the, like, Bastianini, you've got, I sit there and say, you've got the Ducatis, you've got four of those, you've got the Yamahas, you've got three of those, maybe four if you're classing the, the 2019 Yamaha. You've got the Suzukis, you've got the KTM, you've got the Hondas. I forget that we have this Alicia Spargo that seems to just plummet the, the Aprilia into the top 10 all the time. <laughs> And that is nothing to just be blanked. Do you know what I mean? I, I think. And then you oh, have to ca- you have to think about this at Germany. He led that race at one point. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I think if he'd have had a couple of those sixths in there, which is probably his best ever result, I'd say an A. But he's and that retirement just knocks it to a bit. I think if we had seventh, 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 eighth. I'd say a, it's solid consistency, and it's it's in the top ten every time. You can't ask for much more with an Aprilia this year. Retirement might be harsh, but I'm giving him a B. But it, it is harsh. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm harsh. I'm really torn on that. I want to give him an A, 
But at the same time, like you said, there's that DNF. But it, like I said, at the same time, he also led Saxon rings. And uh, I'm going to give him an A. Fuck it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I just. Yeah, I, where... no, I totally get it. I just, the retirement, I, I don't know. Um, so we have. So you have to wonder if he didn't have that DNF and, like, say he would have put it in, like, sixth, we probably would have given him an A star. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, if it had got, like, a fifth, if you've got your best ever result in this last four, then you, you know, depending on who the rider is and what bike they're on, then you're looking at a good grade. But, you know, seventh, we have Miguel Oliveira. Now, this is an A. This is this is an A. I mean, if he'd not finished fifth in Assen, if he'd have put it on the podium, I'd be saying A star. If he'd got four podiums in a row, A star every day of the week. We have second, first, second, fifth. That fifth just stops it from being an A star for me, but it's a very high A nonetheless. Because that Catalonia ride was stunning. The Magello ride was amazing to watch with Mir. Germany um... pushed the the man, not even streets, solar systems ahead to his limit and managed to get a second. Like you say, let's take Marquez out of the situation. Miguel blitzed the field. Mm-hmm. Miguel blitzed the field at Saxon Ring. But fifth place, still a great result. But I think for A star in Miguel's position, considering I... the start of the season, he would have to have an A star being... Second, first, second, first, or second, first, second, third, or, you know, I might be a bit harsh, but A-star, I think you have to have an astronomical four races. So I, I pulled up Saxon Ring just for, for reference. Marquez, okay, Marquez leading. Oliveira, 1.6 seconds back. Fabio Quattrara, 6.7 seconds back. Yeah. Which, to be fair, like for a Yamaha around Saxon Ring is not bad because it's it's not a great track for Yamaha, really. But for the for Miguel to put that much of a gap, yeah, yeah, brilliant. <sighs> I don't know. I just think a a star for me means perfect. And I, to be honest, I might be giving away a bit of a spoiler if you like, but I don't think anyone's had an A star for the last four races. I don't think anyone has. If Fabio would have put it on the podium at Catalonia, I'd be saying A star. See, he's, won, a... he's won two of the races out of the last four, but you know, I, I just oh god, this one's hard for me because I'm I'm looking at his previous results: thirteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, eleventh, a DNF in France, and then second, first, second, fifth. Yeah, like I mean, can, if you. Year... I had Miguel down as fifth. It's my prediction. I had Miguel as fifth in the championship at the end of the year. I wouldn't put it past Miguel putting it in the top three at the end of the year. I, I rate him that highly. I just wasn't sure about how the KT would be there. Now, we're looking at Miguel in seventh after the start of the year. I'm pretty sure the last game we gave Miguel the worst grade out of everyone, if not second or third. That's last time. Yeah, because he did. He had a KTM and Miguel combined had a awful start of the year. We had 13th, 15th, 16th, 11th retirement. 
Then he's got second, first, second, fifth. He's had two sides of the coin this year, but I'm giving him an A. Sorry, Matt. I know your KTM side is probably wanting to give him an A star. But I've got yeah, to I'm going to give him an A. I don't think anyone's had an I A kept, star. I really don't. I kept fighting about it and like he deserves an A star, you know, especially when you look at the first quarter versus the second. You know, it's it's a night and day. Yeah. But I... <sighs> Again, I think if that fifth was maybe a fourth and just missed out on third or something, I'd be like, maybe, 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 maybe an A star, but... Yeah, um, still, uh, it's a very, very high A, nonetheless, if that makes it feel any better for you. <laughs> um, sixth, Maverick. Now, again, uh, yeah, eighth, fifth, eighth, 19th, second. <sighs> He's had his worst ever result, and then him and Fabio, if we're talking about Miguel Blitz in the field at Saxon Ring, Yamaha blitzed the field at Aston. They just did. Fabio and Maverick just cleared off, you know. Um, which was a great ride from both of them. But 8th, 5th, for somebody... Again, the reason I didn't give Miguel an A-star, and I mentioned the championship thing, is I put Miguel in the threshold of up there with the championship contenders. And if you want to be a championship contender rider, an A-star has to be podium, 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 podium. Do you know what I mean? It has to be solid, consistent podiums. That's A-star. Like Mir at the end of last year, that was A-star form. It just was. Um, so, same with Maverick. He's he's on a championship contending bike, and you would put him in a championship contender, you know, position, if you like. You, you would put him in that threshold. So, for that, 8th, 5th, 19th, 2nd, I'm giving him a C. Yeah. Podium, I was great result. Eight, fifth, n- not bad. Eighth, meh, nineteenth, horrendous. It's a mixed bag. C. I think D would be harsh with a podium. And all, like, then all this stuff comes out about him leaving. Yeah. Which is kind of weird on that topic because it was like he's announced at Aprilia basically like next week, if not tomorrow. At Assen, <laughs> and there's just been nothing on that since. So it'd be interesting to see if anything happens after the summer break. With that, um, we move on to fifth with Jack Miller. Now, sixth, third, sixth retirement. C. At best, C. Really, for someone that, I mean, at the start of the year. A lot of people, I think most people, the majority of people had um, Jack Downer's championship winner. A lot of people. Oh, yeah. People probably say, no, people had Fabio, but people were like, no, because of Ducati and Jack looking so good last year, people were like, probably maybe Jack, maybe Fabio. But again, Jack's nowhere near the form of Fabio this year. Um, He's won two races, yes. But last four, sixth, third, sixth time, it's C. Jack's got to be doing better than that. For for me, if he wants to be there, he can't be retiring. I mean, look at Fabio, not one retirement this year. That's the, that's what you want. You do, 
I think if you have any more than two retirements in a season, you do well to win a world title nowadays in MotoGP. I think two retirements is the absolute limit. Um, and look at Zarco, retired once. Bagnaya, retired once. Joan Mir, retired once. So Jack's now on two retirements this year. Last four, he's had a retirement. So I'm going to give him C. Well, what about you, Matt? Yeah, I'm giving him a C. I mean, he, like you said, he, coming into this season, he was the, like, hands-down favorite. Everyone was talking, especially at the end of the testing at Qatar, yeah. and how fast he was, and everyone's like, oh, this is Jack's season. This, and then you had to struggle <clears throat> as bad as he did at the first two, you know, first few races. You know, he had the incident with Mir. He just wasn't performing well at, uh, Portugal. Uh, well, no, at Qatar, and then he didn't do well at uh, Portugal. Right. Yes, he came back, got the two, got the uh, win at Jerez, got the win in the rain. But then from there, he's just dropped off a cliff. Yeah, I think Austria <clears> will <throat> do him good because obviously it's a it's a team a team it's a track that suits the bike. So mm -hmm. it's a it's a very big opportunity for Jack to kind of. I'm not saying he's lost the chance of this world title. He's 55 points behind Fabio. You know, that's two races and you could win both. Fabio could not get points, for example, and you could be right, if... right behind him. But um, right. it's definitely, I think Ducati will be seeing this as kind of saying to Jack, look, no less than a podium here. Because if you have any less than a podium, going into races like Silverstone, Mizano, mm -hmm. those kind of races that suit the Yamaha. Fabio is going to, for me, my my prediction for Mizano already is if there's no issues going into it, I'd I'd be saying you do well to get second to to Quattararo. It's just him and Mizano just and Yamaha just a great gel. So mm -hmm. Ducati have got to see Austria as a a big points haul. So C, mm -hmm. we're going with Jack. And yeah, Juan Mir third, fourth, ninth, third. There's a lot of these anomaly results where we have great, great, weird result. Great, do you know what I mean? We don't have right. a solid. Um, like with Miguel, we have second, first, second, fifth. Um, Aleish seventh, retirement seventh, eighth. So with Juan, we have third, fourth, third, uh, third, fourth, ninth, third. I'm gonna give him a oh, B. A B for me, I think. Ninth See, is not great, but two podiums. No, but it, fourth. No, but a, a ninth at Germany. I don't know. I'm just. And plus, you look at the. I mean, we're not doing the whole season grade, but yeah, from the beginning, a fourth, a seventh, a third, a fifth. A DNF in France during the rain. It just been, but again, we are talking about the guy that's in fourth in the world standings. Like he's fourth for a reason because he's consistently collecting good good amount of points, like what Rins right. doesn't do. So for me, that's what Mir did last year, and he won a world title. Mir is what one hundred and nine. Fabio's on one hundred and fifty six. Yes, Fabio is doing great this year, but. 
It only takes a dip in form at somebody like for somebody like Fabio at a place like Austria, which is more than capable of happening. And Mir, as we saw last year, did very good at Austria. It's only because of the red flag that he didn't win that race. So, you know, the guy's not doing bad at all. I think B. I think it'd be harsh to give him a C with two podiums. I'm I'm gonna give him B. I I can't that ninth. If that ninth was like a third, another third, fourth, even a fifth, it'd definitely be an A. But now this is one I'm gonna give a C. Bagnaya, we have retirement seventh, fifth, sixth. All right results, but for a factory Ducati rider and retirement at Mugello when we expected Bagnaya, I, I even had him down as if Bagnaya's gonna win, he'll win at Mugello. And he flew away in that first lap and then just binned it, um, going into. To... My favorite corner in the whole calendar. Um, yeah, it, it, Arabiata 2. He just flung it down the uh, scenery. But I'm going to give him a C. I think it's very, very average. He's dropped off of the the shoulder of Quattararo because him and Zarka were very much on him. And then Bagnaia's kind of just slipped a little bit away now where... Fabio's just kind of gapped them in north. Um, so I'm going to give Bagnaia a C. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, because, I mean, looking at the results, like like you said, the DNF at, um, at Mugello, you know, Ducati home track, a clear Ducati track. His home track. Yeah, well. his home track. And you bin it after one lap, like he was very frustrated with himself after it. And then yeah. Catalonia, and yeah, there was the whole thing about Jason, and you know it was the same corner and all that stuff. But then, even if you just like wash that one, a seventh at Catalonia, when uh when your teammates put it like. I mean, where did Jack finish there? Uh, let me third. Go. Yeah, third. You know. Yeah, it's... third. You're finishing in seventh. I'm looking. Uh, no, because I was trying to think if that was the race where Fabio's zipper opened. I was like, did he get no, gifted yeah. a position? And no, he didn't. He was still like behind. a little yeah. less than a second behind. So yeah. Then, yeah, I'm I'm going to see. I mean, to be honest, seventh, fifth, sixth retirement. I wouldn't put it past anyone giving him a D, because that is quite poor for someone that's third in a championship. But yeah, um, solid points in a way. But you'd expect a bit more, wouldn't you? And, I think I think and... a low C really. And especially with how well he did in the beginning of the season yeah. to drop and, off like that. Yeah, I, I rate Bagnaia so highly as well. I think that's another reason. It's a little bit like with, um, who were we talking about earlier? Like Rins, not the same thing, but it's in like we know he's so good and he's capable of amazing things, which is why it's frustrating. Same thing in Bagnaia. And the reason I'm giving him such a low score is because I do expect him to do so much better. The expectation is a lot higher. Um, now we have the two Frenchmen, the only two Frenchmen who are f- yep. doing amazing this year. Um, but the last four races, Zarco, we have fourth. 
second, eighth, fourth, we have another anomaly. Um, yeah, another free grace. Yeah, but <sighs> I'm going to give him a B because and the it... guy's on a satellite team, granted a factory bike, a 2021 Ducati, but the guy is he's the lead man in Ducati. He just is at the minute. So I can't give him a C. I can't give him an A because he's yet to win a race, which I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how Joan Zarco has not won a race yet. Um, could it happen in Austria? Possibly. But possible. Um, I want to see the backflip. I do. I definitely do want to see the backflip come back. <laughs> um, fourth, second, eighth, fourth. Yeah, and I'm going to give him a B. The eighth, the eighth comes at Saxon Ring. It, what was it with Saxon Ring? That caused such goofy results because you got like, I'm, I pulled up the results. You got Zarco in eighth, Mir in ninth. It's hard to overtake, isn't it? And Yaya well. in fifth. Like it's just such a weird track. Like what happened here that it's caused more, so much yeah. goofy? It's more like because most races you have uh, qualifying's important, but the race can change everything. Qualifying at Saxon Ring, it's more like it gives you a good chance into turn one, and then after that, it's like, where are you going to overtake? Um, mm. So that's kind of a bit more of a part to play in it. Um, but yeah, I think it would be generous to give Zarko an A, having not won a race. Um, and also only been on the podium once. But fourth, second, fourth, with that eighth. Um, he's second in the championship for a reason. I'm going to give him a B, based on the last four races. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. And the man at the top, the boy, the one, hopefully at the end of the year, um, Fabio. We have first anomaly result, sixth because of the penalty. I mean, where was he when he actually finished? Was he third, second? Where was he I when wonder... he finished? He finished ahead of... I'm pulling up the result right now. I know he finished ahead of uh, Jack. So it would have been... It would have been didn't he get a three-place grid penalty? Or three-place penalty? No, he got seconds. I think he got five no. seconds or something. No, he finished third because I remember... Yeah, Miller's third. And I remember there was a thing about Miller. Like, he saw that there... Because uh, he got the... Quadrar got the time penalty for going off the track, not for his leathers. Oh, right. And when he saw him go off, when Jack saw him go off the track, he knew all I have to do is stay close. He's going to get in trouble. Yeah. Okay. So he got the time penalty and it dropped him back down to sixth. So, yeah, he finished on track third. Which is amazing with the leathers thing, by the way. That's <laughs> unreal. Um, but with the penalty, yeah, first. Yeah, without the penalty, first, third, third, first. I'd be kind of inclined to say A star, but obviously with the penalty, A. I mean, he's won two races and finished on the podium at Germany. I think that in itself is like mm, A star. But then the penalty, literally, the leathers thing, and the, obviously he, <laughs> went, he went off. He went off track because of the leathers. Mm -hmm. Imagine if his leathers wouldn't have come open. Not only would he be leading the championship by even more, but we would be sitting here going, A-star. First, third, third, oh, first. Yeah. We'd be at A-star, hands down. 
I'd give him an A star anyway, just because it's Fabio, and I think he's one of the best humans on planet Earth. But um, yeah, I really I'm hope when we do the th- I really hope when we do the third quarter one, we don't look at Austria and go DNF DNF for both for all Yamahas. It's the one track that <laughs> I like because it's there's always some fun at the end of the lap, like end of the race. Sorry, in all classes. But it's the one track as a Yamaha fan that I just I just close my eyes and pray before every session. I'm like, please, please just yeah. don't sit in Q1, please. Um so yeah, that was pretty straightforward. Well, I say straightforward, we have dragged it out a little bit, but like I say, um before the Mark Marquez thing, feel free to let us know your grades if you guys have any opinions on what we said? If you think that me and Matt are speaking out of our rear end, which we probably are, feel free to let us know. Hey, a little well. bit here and there. Um, that's that's what we do best, I suppose. But yep. um, yeah, we will be doing a podcast after the. I think the first one's classed as the Styrian Grand Prix, and the second one's Austrian. So the clarity... Michelin Grand Prix of Styria, yeah. and then the I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Is it the Ostrich? But... Well, no, it's the Bitchy, B-I-T-C-I, Motorrad Grand Prix von Austrich. yeah. But it's B- Bitchy Motorrad? He'll, he'll work on that for the uh, the next two podcasts so that you can pronounce it in perfect I'm, German. I'm American, and I will butcher that every time. <laughs> I, get, I dread... Every anytime I see like you see the F one race names and it's like yeah, you know, Grand Prix, you know, Grand Prix of Hungary, Grand Prix of Austria, Styria, and then you get to MotoGP and it's like Barwa Grand Prix of Qatar, Tiso Grand that, Prix. Of the F one was like hung no like Grand Prix of like I can't remember what it was, but it was like something and it ended up in like Inage or something like it was really weird. But, um, yeah, we will be doing a podcast after the Styrian Grand Prix, which is the one that when this comes out, which should be on the Thursday that this comes out, maybe the Friday morning, depending on the time difference with me and Matt. Um, So I will be editing this as soon as we're recorded and getting it out as soon as possible before the race weekend. So if you are listening to it through the weekend, feel free to drop us a tweet, a message or anything like that to say that you're listening and give us feedback or whatever please honestly any feedback is massively appreciated because we are still very very amateur but on that note of um, pronunciations matt maybe you appreciate not appreciate but maybe you rate matt dunn even higher for that kind of thing when he has to like do it in front of a camera for official like MotoGP videos and he's like van something like pronouncing things like that that would be the only thing with with stuff like that, I, I would be like, I really hope I don't butcher the pronunciation and offend anybody that's a local because that is something that when people do it for British things, like when Americans say things that are a, like a real traditional British thing to say and they say it with Americanisms, I'm like, please stop. <laughs> it just, it makes me just die inside. So I really hope that if I ever get to a point where I have to pronounce something officially and it's a, a foreign language, and if it's not Italian, I will probably butcher it. So I do respect the fact that you gave it a try on the podcast. 
there are I'm looking at the list right now, and there are a couple like I can do. Gran Premio Red Bull de la España. Perez. Shark Grand Prix de France. I'm off. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, Grand Primo de Italia Oakley. It's like, I can get some of these. And then you get that Italian accent. <laughs> and then you get to the, like, Styria. It's like, oh, God, what are, what are these words? Yeah, what is that? Bitki Motorrad Grand Prix von Ostrich. There you go. And I did pull up the uh, F1 one just for reference. The one I think you were looking at. Formula One Pirelli Gran Primo del Made in Italia e del Emilia Romagna. Yeah, Romagna della Emilia Romagna, yeah. District in Italy by Imola. So I drove past the circuit I, myself, but yeah. Um, like I know they have sponsors and stuff, but God. Yeah, anything for that sponsor money, am I right? Yeah. It's like the San I... one is because it's um, part like it's classes like the San Marino Grand Prix, but it's also mm -hmm. not in San Marino. Oh God! I'm... It's like I'm Gran Primo Octo di San Marino e della Riviera di Rimini. <laughs> it's like, yeah. how long do you want to make that Grand Prix? <laughs> the fuck um, you! It's longer to say the name than it probably is to do a lap around there. To just be like San Marino. Yeah, San Marino Grand Prix. Yeah. Mazzano Grand Prix. Have fun. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, before we before we close off, like we say, we do have things planned. We may have other guests planned, maybe, maybe not. Um, we'll, well, I suppose you'll find out in due course. Um, we have plenty of ideas that we want to do. Next time we'll have Josh on in case Alex Rins has not killed him yet. And yes. we look to move forward after the race. And hopefully I will not be crying at Yamaha's results. I'm honestly, I'm touching every piece of wood that is nearby. I have my toes crossed and I'm not lying. I have my fingers crossed, as Matt can see. I am praying yes. to the yes, gods of bikes, of anything, of any sort. Please, can Quattararo please get a good haul of points? Even if it's two third places or something. If you finish on the podium twice, I will sign on the dotted line right now. I know me and Armo, anyone who's in the Discord or on regular Twitter conversations that I tend to ramble on about will know who Armo is. He's probably listening to this right now. Me and him are massive Quattraro simps. So we are praying for, for just good results. Just please, anything, anything at all. Because I know Matt's going to be smug as ever when he sees Danny Pedroza riding on out of pit lane and seeing that Miguel Oliveira is setting world lap record times and Red Bull this, Red Bull that. I'm all for it, but just I just don't want us to get absolutely humiliated. So, yeah, that's my piece. Um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast and everything. I'll let Matt sign it off. But, yeah, yes, all sir. of our links and everything. Uh, Matt, you didn't actually mention at the start of that. You usually do a... And that's what I'm a, getting ready to. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll I'll pass that on to you. But from me, I shall see you all on maybe Sunday, maybe Monday, depending on when we record or maybe when we publish it. But, yeah, on to you, Matt. Yeah, so uh, be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star rating review on the uh, podcast app of your choice. Uh, it really does help get our name out there. Uh, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at RedSectorMotoGP. Uh, 
we're always posting fun stuff. Um, you can get our individual Twitter handles from there. Um, yeah, we there was a funny back and forth between Bundo and I where we are basically just trying to, you know, bring into the world the possibility of Oliveira and Fabio winning championships. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're always having fun on there. So uh, stop by, give us a follow. And with that, keep the throttle pinned. Yeah.